Date with a Debut is a Words and Nerds and Breathe Art podcast co-production, recorded on a Wagbacool country. And I pay my respects to all elders past and present, and extend that to any First Nations people tuning in. Always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. On with the show. I am, I was a teenager in the 80s, so I went through high school I think from 81 to 87 or something like that. So it's a, I suppose that time of your life when you're um, learning about yourself and your world is really still fresh in your mind. Hello, I'm Nick Vassili, a former host of Tell Me What to Read, author of When Men Cry, and we're continuing this mini-series with Words and Nerds shining in light on debut novelists, their journey to publication. If you're looking for a new book to devour, if you're looking for writing inspiration, this is the place to be. This is Date with a Debut, because nothing hits you like a first impression. And in our next episode in this series, I'm joined by Philippa Kay. She's another author local to the Central Coast area. She lectures at the University of Newcastle. And her debut novel, which I'm holding in my hand, Girl Detectives Just Want to Have Fun, is now out, published by Shoreline Publishing Group. Pip, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Nick. It's lovely to be here. It's very nice to have you. And first of all, I just want to shout out how gorgeous this book looks. Like, yes. <laughs> book that is set in the 80s, it is filled with colour, a lot of peach, a lot of everything, lots of yes. big, bold colours. I absolutely love it. Tell us tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came to start your writing journey. Well, <laughs> it takes a deep breath. Um, <laughs> well, I'm actually a mother and a teacher and a lecturer, as you said, and I was I was like working for 10 years before I had my babies, three of, I had three, <laughs> and um I was sort of, you know, right into the teaching career and I'd been on leadership teams and stuff like that. And um, when you go off and you have your babies and you're there with your babies, it's like, okay, (laughs) how they're beautiful, aren't they? (laughs) What am I going to do with myself? You get a bit, um, I think you're just so, so massively into your career and then you're just so, so baby bound and housebound and, you know, breastfeeding and all the rest of it, sleeping and routines. And I think I, f- I sort of felt a little bit like I needed to do something to be creative. So I did some crochet and I did some drawing lessons and then I started to <laughs> write, uh, just tell stories to the kids. And then I started to write them down. So I started with like little kids stories, like about princesses and frogs and <laughs> stuff like that. And then um, I think as the kids got older, the voice got older, and I had this little story about a little boy whose mum was like a was had he was like in year six, and then all of a sudden she was pregnant again, and he started having um, he started having like the pains that she was having, like labour pains, and mm. and which was silly. It was just a silly, crazy little book. And then as the kids, after they sort of finished that sort of stage in their life, I started to write. Um, I thought I'd try adult. I felt like the voice was more of an adult. So mm. that's how I started that. <laughs> it's Well, I love the journey that you've taken here. And I love that it also starts with, start with storytelling for your kids. I love that that's, yes. that's where the journey started for you. Stop the podcast. Stop the podcast. Hello, it is Nick Wasiliev here, host of Date With A Debut. And I just wanted to reach out and say thank you to all of our incredible listeners on the Words and Nerds platform who have been listening to the podcast and sending messages of support. It has been absolutely humbling to hear from fellow authors, fellow readers, fellow writers, 
and fellow podcast listeners about the show. And it is a real privilege to turn you guys on to many exciting new and upcoming authors. The reason why I'm reaching out here is because one of the groups I've heard the most from is a lot of aspiring writers who have been wanting to learn more about the actual process of getting your book into publication. How do you complete a manuscript? How do you find a publisher? How do you complete the editing process? And how do you get that book printed and into stores? Of course, we cannot fully cover it in an episode of the podcast every single week. But I have another podcast that I dropped in 2021 called A Little Idea. This podcast essentially covers my entire process that I went with my debut novel, When Men Cry, from writing to publication to promotion. Over the course of this five-part mini-series, I sit down with some of the biggest names in the Australian publishing scene to cover this entire process front to back. And the best part, this entire series is completely free and available to listen wherever you get any of your podcasts. Please enjoy this brief snippet of episode four from A Little Idea, where I chat with David Henley and John McDonald from Brio Books around the value of a good book design cover and the fine margins you have when it comes to selling your book. The, the biggest risk in, is with, with authors is that they are so close and they're so invested that sometimes they have a quite ethereal picture of what the book cover will look like, but they can never draw it, they can never capture it themselves, and anything you present to them will be wrong because you can never catch that holy grail. So that's, that's the big trap, is when an author has this holy grail image in mind of the, of the, of the book cover. Um, and in some ways, they're, they're investing too much in a book cover. We are saying a book cover is important, but it can't do everything. It cannot tell the entire story. It cannot explain that there's a plot twist on, on this certain page. It cannot capture all the characters. It probably can't even capture the essence of one character. Yeah. It is, it is yeah. simply there as much like getting dressed. It is putting the best clothes on the body, which is the book. <laughs> it's an advertisement. That's exactly well, I, was, right. I really felt myself going into a hole there. You got out. You got out. <laughs> To hear more, head to the links in the description or head to my website, nickwasiliev.com, and check out my podcast, A Little Idea, and start your own writing journey. All right, back to Date with a Debut. Tell us, give us your one-minute pitch. What is what Girl Detectives Just Want to Have Fun about? All right, so Girl Detectives Just Want to Have Fun is a cosy mystery set in with romance set in the 80s. Um, and our protagonist, Birdie Mealing, is a musician, music teacher, music therapist, and her uncle goes missing. So she decides that she'd like to find him. And um, Detective Hunky Herb Lawson um, disagrees, of course, and wants her to stay out of it. But she and her friends, Stu and Pia, um, go on a little adventure to look for Uncle Larry. Oh, I love it. Nailed it in, a, nailed it in one minute. <laughs> Did it in perfect oh, one time. One minute. Yay. Yes. Absolutely love it. And yeah, true to form, it is absolutely fun. I really, I, I ate this one up. And I think also because, you know, crime and detective novels, they're really like, they're, so, they're, such, they're such, they're in the zeitgeist right now. They're very popular on top of it. Like mm. Australia, a lot of Australian great crime writers are coming through and and their movie, their stories are getting adapt, adapted. Of course, you only have to look at Jane Harper and, and Force of yeah. Nature and the Dry I mean, and that would like be, that. this would be a funny one. On, on, I think um, this would be great. On TV. Yeah, and, but, and here's the thing. I love what you've done here. Like, you take us back to 1984. Mm. Um, of course, I have not lived, I did. I was not alive during that time, but 
uh, you know, it, it, the 80s culture of the 80s permeates through our society right now. And yeah. you, there's music and there's color. Yeah. You have the songs there, the hairstyles, the fashion. I also <laughs> just love seeing Sydney in the light of the that 80s that I weirdly like that I just found myself doing. And uh, oh, fun, funny you mentioned this, my first reaction after finishing this book, I went and re- I, I have Purple Rain on record. Yes. <laughs> so I went friends. back. And and just listen and just listen <laughs> to it just to get me keep me back in that eighties space. Oh, uh, excellent! I, it just I just loved what you nailed the the eighties vibe. And again, like oh, all the people thank from, you. I, I was looking at the reviews and of people who had lived lived there during the time, and they said you nailed it. You nailed that eighties mm. vibe and feeling. Why there? Yeah. Why there? Well, I am. I was a teenager in the eighties, so I went through high school. I think from eighty one to. 87 or something like that. So it's a, I suppose that time of your life when you're um, learning about yourself and your world is really still fresh in your mind. And I chose, we were, we were, you know, we were in lockdown um, when I was writing this. There was, you know, there's social media rubbish and um, Trump carrying on like a buff head. And there was just, you know, so much stuff going on in the world with the COVID and everything like that. And I just thought to myself, what was a simpler time? I wanted I wanted a time when we didn't use our phones all the time. And, you know, politicians felt like real politicians. And we weren't just, you know, having lockdowns and we weren't all ill. And so I just thought, what was that time when things were more simple? Mm. And <laughs> researching the, I mean, I felt like it was simple because I, as I said, I was a teenager. So to me, life was simple, apart from all the um, bitchy girly stuff. But when I researched it, of course, it wasn't as simple as I thought it was. But that's just, I just thought something light and fun and simple. I love that. And we'll come back to that a little bit. I love that it's, it was kind of, it was like reactionary a little bit to just yes. the times of 2020. I love that. Yeah. That- the character dynamics that you you've got here are just great. I'm going <laughs> to say it. like Birdie is amazing. This amateur sleuth, music teacher, like you mentioned in the intro, mm. twenty only twenty three years old. Very like yep. still, she's confident. She's in that period of time where she's confident, but she still doesn't quite know anything at the yes. same time. <laughs> but she is brash. She is very naughty. Mm. And uh, but also she's just got a heart of gold. Her heart is yeah. completely in the right place, and I love the contrast with Detective Herb Lawson, who <laughs> at some points let's we will we will avoid spoilers, but uh, okay, uh, can be the perfect foil for her uh, yes. in some of those moments. Um, I also just love Stu. <laughs> just the, all of the, <laughs> Stu was hilarious, wasn't he? <laughs> I love Stu. Just the, the all of the medical jargon and all of that stuff that you threw out here. But you've He's, always got one friend who's like that, don't you? <laughs> you do. And and I this my thoughts again, similar to the top of the cover of the book. These characters are loud and they are fun. <laughs> How the hell did they come into your life? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Birdie, of course, is you know us. It's all the girls. It's my sister, my friends. You know, we that's we were growing up in this period and it was a sort of a sexist time really for girls, mm. but we we worked with it, <laughs> as Birdie does, uses her uh, wily ways, and then we also, also worked against it. So that was just, you know, it was 
just that time of of my life and and all the girls. So she's just a mishmash of um, me and my sister and my friends and you know just us girls. Um, Herb was different because um, he's a boy straight away. So mm, yes, um, and he has an Aboriginal background. And shout out to the Dark and Jung people. Um, and I was reading um, the book Growing Up Aboriginal in Australia mm, and a lot of the um, stories were about, of that time around the 80s, was about, um, you know, growing up white. These people were um, sort of not turning their back on their um, Aboriginality, but it wasn't okay. It was something that you sort of kept quiet and you just tried to fit into this white world because that was the expectation. And now they're all sort of looking at their lives and going, who am I? And that's Herb. So he he did grow up white and his brothers did too. His brother did too. And now he's sort of looking at his life going, who am I? I want to know more about who I really am. Mm. So, and he, you know, with the with the whole um, police force thing too, he was in the police force in the 80s. The, the police force in the 80s was quite a corrupt and interesting place. So he is sort of questioning his himself and his place in the world. And so that was tricky. Trick, he was tricky to write in the respect that I had to be respectful to the accurate representation of um, First Nations people. Mm-hmm. So I had to speak to elders and get a sensitivity read and things like that. So I spoke to um, Gadigal elders and I also spoke to Dark and Jung elders just to, you know, make sure I was doing the right thing. Yeah, um, yeah so, he, but, you know, he's a he's a wonderful character and I just wanted to make sure I did him properly, yeah. Absolutely. You do. And I, I, I did get, there was a, I did pick up on that like subtext about, uh, you know, there is a real subtext with Herb about Indigenous people's place, particularly yeah. as well the fact that not just Indigenous people's place in general, but also Indigenous cop. Uh, yes, I know. The like, and, and the police and the uh, sis- people, systems of authority had really uh, it contributed well, were, were the main driving force between the displacement of those issues in the first place uh, for mm. many, many years. So really interesting, really interesting yeah. to dissect and examine as well. It's And again, I like that there is this contrast in the story. There is the fun nature of being in the 80s and you've got, uh, you know, the characters like, like Birdie and Stu. But there is also... Uh, in true in true crime form, there is of course the actual those serious elements that come out when they need to come out, and yep. contrast very nicely. How that would have been a real balancing act uh, to to craft. I yes. imagine it was, would have been quite challenging. Well, as I said before, when you start researching that time, and you start looking at policies, I mean, you know, authors, you're an author yourself. You know that you've got to research quite heavily, and um, I was reading lots of policies at the time and it was just I don't think you can I was unaware of a lot of the stuff because I was just you know living my life back in the 80s but um, once you start researching it you look at these things that were going on and the government's um, input into everything and, and the people obviously as well you find out that there are some there were some sort of underlying 
darker, deeper themes going on during that time. So I just thought I'll thread them through because you can't ignore that. No, um, no. I find it difficult to write something with just like I'm obviously I'm what you would refer to as white Australian, but, you know, I grew up in Southwest Sydney, so I was surrounded by multiculturalism. I was interested in Aboriginality because of the stolen generation, which I was right at the end of. So there were kids at school, like there was a guy I went to school with who was an Aboriginal boy who was living with a white family, a white Christian family. That was interesting to me. And I just didn't think that you can ignore that. You know, all those themes of racism, sexism, police corruption, fraud, um, you know, that non-PC time, it all sort of had to come into it. Yeah. But again, and we'll go back to that, that point you alluded to earlier, which is kind of why you started this book in the first in the first place during yep. due to the time that we're in now. And that is yes. that because uh, you, you capture it all with the eighties, you, you, there is these serious uh, elements here. You also, of course, there's a, a illusion. You know, there's, there's an organized crime element that comes through <laughs> as well, which will, I will deliberately keep vague because I do not want to spoil that. <laughs> you um, can do whatever you want in a cozy mystery. <laughs> yes, I know. But, but, and then, but then you've got the fun element of what made the eighties so interesting and exciting in there. And, and, and again, the idea of it being a cozy mystery, there was a lot to dissect and, but there's the, there's the sexual tension, there's the romance, it's, but the yeah. overall feeling I got was just fun. It yeah. was so much fun. Like there was stuff to dissect, but this book was so much fun. And I found it the perfect tonic because I feel like crime book a lot of crime books these days as though even though there are amazing books out there and there are lots of they're really groundbreaking and fascinating i always find sometimes a lot of those crime books can be particularly grisly and mm. dark and yes uh have a serious subject matter and can be a, a, a read that is there for you at a particular time when you need that and i love those mm. books and i and I, and I like it when when i dive into those books but sometimes i also just want a fun mystery like I want a fun yes. I, like I, I want a I, there's a moment where you can play that for a lighter style and there's moments where you can dive into the nitty-gritty and I think nitty-gritty has been very much the the way things have been for a little while and I found that this book the perfect tonic to overly serious crime stories do you reckon that kind of those not uh, the word I like is delicious murder mysteries like the, those murder <laughs> mysteries that are that are uh kind of you know, they I like that they are serious, but there's also that fun element to it. Um, do you reckon those murder mysteries are kind of underappreciated in the crime Oh, genre? yes. I mm. think so. Um, I think the nature of that crime novel is, you know, there's got to be a little bit of angst and a sort of a darker, deeper story, you know, in the background. And I love reading those books too. And when we were in lockdown, everybody was reading. Apparently there was like a resurgence of people buying books and reading. And I was reading those sorts of books, you know, M.R. Vishkik and Candice Fox and even Jane Harper to a degree and loving them. But mm. I also had that, I think I had a little bit of angst. I think we all had like a little bit of angst and anxiety just was was with us at that time. And I just went, as much as I was loving reading all these books, I also just wanted to lift a little bit from my chest, that anxiety. So, um, you know, they say, write what you want to read. So I thought, well, I just want something that's a bit lighter and a bit cozier and, as you said, delicious. Um, and I also wanted... <laughs> 
<laughs> to have some romance because I wanted it to be nice and sweet and happy. And a lot of a lot of those cozy mysteries sort of stay away from romance. It's not really true cozy mystery if you've got romance. Mm-hmm. And I just went, oh, I'm doing it anyway. You know, Carrie Greenwood has a little bit of romance in her yep. Franny Fisher books. And um, I just went, no, nah, I'm going to put it in there. I was reading romances at the time too. So I just thought, I'm just going to squash it all together and, you know, make it fun and romantic as well as what's the mystery, who done it. I think there's a great place for this book just in the general crime space. Oh, right you. now I think it's I think it's so much fun it's for that it, it is for that reader who who probably is in your shoes who has enjoyed all of those amazing uh fantastic crime books and but is looking for something that is just a little bit more fun um yeah and a little bit more light-hearted and stuff even though again as we mentioned doesn't shy away from important topics uh, that's right I, I had a great time and I really oh, thank you excellent thanks Nick I wanted to ask you about your your journey to publication because, uh, as mentioned at the top, we went through Shoreline Publishing Group, so a smaller publishing house. What was yep. that journey like? It was an interesting journey because I had, as we were talking before about those crime novels, I had written one of those and it was about a um, lecturer because <laughs> they say write what you know and um, she was consulting sort of on a, a crime that had happened up here on the Central Coast actually and I had pitched that to most agents and most um, publishing houses. And of course, some agents were interested and some publishing houses were interested, but, you know, it just didn't get past the line and just technically was rejected everywhere. But while your book's out there, you know, um, uh, in the world, you're writing more. Um, And I wrote another one of the same character and then that was on a little computer. So I put it onto my thumb drive and then the thumb drive got corrupted. So the first book wasn't doing, (laughs) wasn't being picked up and the second book I technically lost. And I just went, um, when I wrote this one, of course, I sent it out there and I, I sort of, I was I was a bit of a novice, obviously, and in some respects, having gone through the publication process now, I wish I'd sort of given myself a little more time to learn more about the industry and maybe slow down my very, very strong desire to be published. And other authors tell you, um, once you're signed, you know, it's a roller coaster road and other, you know, experts say, you know, make sure you're okay, consider everything before jumping in. But I just, the first person who... <laughs> took some interest in it. I went, okay, yes, let's go. Um, and so I went with what they call a hybrid publisher. So it's not a traditional publisher and it's not um, self-publishing. It's just somewhere in between. So yeah, it was an interesting process. And for some people that might be fabulous and it there were lots of fabulous aspects of it. Um, being guided through the process was wonderful, but I'm not sure that I think I might seek something different for my next book, something different, a, a different road. It's, it, it is interesting you mentioned that. I think the one thing that I always like to say to a lot of, uh, you know, writers or, or readers or, you know, aspiring authors rather, uh, is that the number one thing is once you have this book or this idea is, uh, you know, it's not going to be for everyone. Find that niche where the book will work. Yes. Um, and follow that 
Uh, and for some people, you know, it, what does I asked, what does success actually look like for you for, yes, for I a know, book? Yeah. And, you know, if people are thinking, oh, I can make money from it and all that stuff, then I'm like, well, yep. you're not coming at it the right way. <laughs> no. Nah, but, uh, no. <laughs> but if, if you have a, you know, if you're writing a family memoir, then going with a, a smaller publisher might make a bit more sense. Or if you're, yes, if you're trying to write definitely. a commercial fiction, then it makes more sense to go with a, with a larger publisher. What matters yep. is that there's different options out there for you. Yes. And, that's, and I think that's the thing. Mm, there are so many different options. There's the traditional road. There's the self-publishing road. And, and self-publishing, like indie publishers, they're enormous at the moment. They're making great guns, some of those um, people who are publishing their own stuff. Mm. Yeah, and then there's like the in-between. So, yeah, it, I, I think you don't know unless until you're in it. And mm. even I probably, you know, you could I could have waited more years and more years until I got into the actual um, publishing world. But I'm glad that I did it and I'm grateful to Shoreline for um, being published with them. And, um, yeah, it's 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 just good to be in it and amongst it, I think. What, what, what would be your advice for a small, like in terms of using a small publishing house? Like if there's someone listening to this who goes, you know what, I actually, there's that, that seems like a real legitimate option for me. It's a way for me to control my own destiny uh, when yep. it comes to getting published. What would be your mm. key pieces of advice when approaching those smaller publishing houses? I would probably say just make sure you read your contract and get somebody else to read over your contract and just take your time, I think. Mm. Maybe don't be rushed into things. Um, is also that be something, you know, if you're like a first-time author as well, I think that's just great advice as well because yeah. it's, it's you know, that's it often so many first-time, I always ask the question of what advice would you give to first-time authors and, and things like that. But this is often, I think, I'm glad that I am, I'm having this chat with you in that regard because, you know, in this series, I haven't had the chance to talk with someone who's gone down this particular route. So it's, yep. it's interesting. What is next for you? Will we see Birdie again? That's my <laughs> question. It's the loaded question. <laughs> I think that people would be very upset if I didn't write a second Birdie because everybody keeps saying, I can't wait to see what Birdie is up to next. And actually, I have written it. Um, what? And You've already written it? <laughs> I've written it <laughs> and it's with an um, editor, like having like a little manuscript assessment at the moment. So yeah, I've already written it. It's done. I'm, I'm sort of ready for the third one, really. I've In the meantime, I've written a, um, a romance and um, I've had another look at that, you know, crime novel that never got up. So I'm sort of looking at that again and thinking now that I've had the experience, what could I do with this? And my husband and I are <laughs> writing it a novel together oh my god oh my <laughs> so god i just it's it's hard to stop though and the process of publication is is sort of long mm. and you can't just sit back and go i've written a short story that was published i've written um you know a a, a short story for the school magazine that was published i think you just when you're a creative person you just create so yeah i'm you just keep going <laughs> I so, yes, 30, 30 number two is coming up, I Oh, hope. <laughs> I am so excited. You've got so much stuff coming up. That's exciting. Uh, oh, yeah. my God. I'm going to, okay, well, I'm waiting with bated breath and I'm really excited. <laughs> I hope we see in the, I hope we see Birdie again very soon because she you is will. so much fun. And I love, yeah. I hope we stay, I hope we get to return to this world again. We will. Oh, well, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> finish off with some 
rapid fire questions. We always like to finish our podcast with some rapid fire questions part of the day. Yes. So I'm going to just fling them at you and okay. you give me the first answer that comes to your head. All right. So first up, what was your favourite book that you have read in the last 12 months? Um, oh, God. Do I have to pick one? <laughs> you can take give me, give me two. Two? I can give you 25. No. <laughs> um, probably if I stick with the Australian ones, I'd have to say Five Bush Weddings and Duck à l'Orange for breakfast. Oh, yes. I yeah. love Duck. Johnny? You were, you were Johnny yes. Convert as well? Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, lo- I had a chat with Karina earlier on this podcast yeah, and, uh, yeah. oh, just, I love this book. So I saw I- it at Vanessa McClellan's, um debut uh, launch the other night and I told her I was coming on and she said, oh, you'll have so much fun. That's <laughs> so, so that's sweet. Nice. That's so yeah. nice to hear. Shout yeah. out Karina. Like, yeah, we shout love out you. Karina. We love, <laughs> we love you. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favourite word? I thought about this because I have had a sneaky listen to some of your podcasts. Um, I think because I lecture in inclusion and diversity, my favourite word and my least favourite word is the same word, and it's normalisation. And normalisation is my favourite word because normalisation should be normal, and it's my least favourite word because difference should also be normal, and so we wouldn't have a need for the word normalisation. Am I getting deep? Yes, you are. <laughs> Too deep. My other no. my other favorite phrase, here we go. Let me just turn the tables is watch me whip, watch me nay nay. <laughs> oh my god, yes. That takes that's taking me back. <laughs> that takes me back a bit. <laughs> there you go. I love them. They're great. If you could have Birdie meet one other fictional character from the 1980s, who would you want them to meet? Well, I'll give you a little a little insight into the next novel. Maybe uh, Roger Rogerson? No. <laughs> or don't tease, don't tease um, me. Sally Huckstep? That's dangerous. Now, now or even t- we could turn the tables again and just say Olivia Newton John. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> I'm done now. No, nah, you, you, you've teased me too much. Can you send me the, can you send me the manuscript too, Ollie? Ollie I'll just, not, not, not for feedback. I just want to read it now. I'll send you the arc. <laughs> Do you have a favourite trope? Um, probably Grumpy Sunshine, em- Enemies to Lovers, that one. Yeah, nice. I like yeah. that one. It's good. Which is a bit, you know, Birdie and Herb. Yeah, it is a bit, which I, which yeah. I, Oh, I could, I could immediately tell. Yeah, there's a, there's a, we've got a trope, we've got a trope lover here. I like that. Yes. <laughs> um, where is your favorite place to read in bed, on the couch yes. or yes. out the back in the shade yes. on a sunny afternoon? All of those places. Um, and I do probably a lot of reading too in the car. Mm-hmm. So I read books as well as the Kindle, but on my phone. So mm-hmm. I read in the car a lot with the mm-hmm. book up on the steering wheel, but yes, all those places. I can't stop reading. So I read everywhere. Lecturing. You do lecturing in your normal day to day. What's one thing that you've learned from lecturing that you've translated into your writing process? Um, well, I think maybe humor. I think mm. when you're lecturing, kids can be, or kids are here, listen to me, students, adults, young adults, adults can be bored. <laughs> They're just sitting there looking at you and you're going, blah, blah, blah. So maybe humor. I try to make it a little bit less boring. Like and that. so I do that with the books as well. <laughs> not, not that they're boring, but I bring a little bit of humour into them. <laughs> What's your favourite debut book that you've ever read? And we're talking, ever. we're not talking recently, we're talking yes. 
ever. What was that debut book that yep. you were like, holy crap, that blew my mind? Yes, that would be Looking for Alibrandi. Oh, Marlena yes. Marchetta. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we're picking an older, a slightly older book. Uh, yes. Yes. I, often people are picking the most recent contemporaries. And for me, it's like, go straight to, to, to Kill a Mockingbird. That's my, like. Yes. Oh, amazing. Yeah. That was a great book too. Properly out the gate with, with that as you yes. do. But no, looking yep. at Brandy, great one. God, I need to reread yep. that. I haven't read that in a long time. And the um, character of one of the, when they did the movie, one of the, um, uh, one of the actors was called Kick. Mm. Um, and that's why Kick is called Kick in the book. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Last question. Yes. You you hop into a lift and your hero yes. is in there. Who is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, Julia Gillard. <laughs> oh, that's a great one. Okay, well now I need to ask you, you like you you you've got time for one question to ask her. Oh, like, okay. What is it? What do you ask her? What do I ask Julia? Yeah. Um, how are you, Julia? <laughs> oh, bless. Would you like to have a coffee? <laughs> oh, that's so nice. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love. I, if I was in a lift with Julia Gillard, I'd just be. The amount of times I've listened to that to that amazing misogyny speech yes. and watch you take down Tony, I could like yes, hook it, in, hook it into my veins. It? Hook it into yes. my veins. And who would you be in a lift with? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, you're asking. <laughs> I know. No, it is. It is. I would love to get into a lift and see Neil Gaiman in there. Yes, or David Attenborough. Oh yeah, that'd be a good one. Yeah, those are my two. So Amazing. Neil Gaiman is the writer side of me, just because I love yep. that he, all the stuff he's done. But David, just yep. for the human, awesome, yes, human being. beautiful, yeah. yeah but and just to be life. in his presence, I reckon it would rub off on you. You'd be able to feel it. Oh, absolutely. I would love that. I could honestly chat to you all day, but I'm aware <laughs> that you know uh, you are incredibly busy and have people to see and places to be, and you have mm. you have more of these books to to, to pump out. So that's I'll right. Simply... I need to be on to tapping away at number three. Yes, Hi, Nick. You do. So I'll simply finish off by saying that uh, Girl Detectives Just Want to Have Fun is out now. It's published by Shoreline Publishing Group, and all of our listeners, for the love of God. Go and check this book out. If you like the show, drop Words and Nerds review. Let us know what you think and, you know, who, you'd, who else you'd like to hear from. And I'll finish off by simply saying thank you so much, Pip. This has been a huge amount of fun. Thank you so much, Nick. Same. Right back at you. Hello, it's Nick here again. This episode will be the final episode of Date with the Debut for 2023. However, I just would like to shout out and say thank you to all of the incredible authors and all of the incredible publishers who have helped get this series together. And I'm super excited to announce that Date with the Debut will be returning in 2024 with more debut authors and more incredible stories and books focusing on Australia's growing, exciting literary talent. It is such a magnificent privilege to really champion a lot of these growing authors. I'd also like to finally shout out the incredible Daddy V. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun being on the Words and Nerds platform. Go and check out as many episodes as you can of Words and Nerds, and I'll see you in 2024.